0: Today I'm going to be reading out of Galatians chapter 4, and uh, I'm expanding the uh, section because it just looked a little too, um, didn't seem to have the context. So I'm going to be reading 4, 1 through 7. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just uh, pray that you'd help us to hear what it is that you're speaking to each and every one of us. Your word is living and active, and uh, it speaks differently to each of us. And so I just pray, Lord, that you've got something special for each of us, that we would be mindful, listening, and attentive. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated.
1: So it's nice to be among friends Um, it's uh, it's great to see you all Um, so thanks for the honor and privilege Aaron to be here as um, as Aaron mentioned we're starting an Advent series two churches combined so today we're going to look at the topic of agony next week Aaron will be preaching on assignment then we'll be looking at announcement arrival adoration and anticipation So again, my assignment today is a message on agony. Probably if you knew there was a sermon on agony, you would have skipped church today. Especially in light of the fact this is Advent. We're supposed to be really excited. But I want to argue that we can't appreciate Advent if we don't understand the reality of agony because of sin. Uh, We're gonna have a very surface level understanding of the person and work of Christ if we don't understand the nature of agony because of sin. I looked up the word agony Merriam-Webster dictionary defines agony in this way, intense pain of mind or body, the struggle that precedes death, a violent struggle or contest. I think you know this, I'll be Mr. Obvious several times today, but our lives on this side of heaven experience significant agony. We could go around this room for hours, and probably even within the last year, just share some of the agonizing realities of our life, even this year. Why do we talk about agony when considering Christmas? One of the reasons is the Christmas story is so wonderful in that the coming of Christ gives us hope, and He is the one alone who in His agony has relieved our agony at the cross. The Christmas story is about the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who relieves agony for those who trust in Him all the way to heaven. And so our call as believers is to persevere. Some of you may be in danger next year of not making it because of the trials coming in your life. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to continue to persevere and look to Christ Agony is due to sin entering God's good creation. And in the birth narrative in Matthew 1, we read, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's ask God in prayer to reveal himself to us, and that we would cry out to our Father in heaven, Help us, Lord Jesus. Father... I would be a fool to guess at even some of the significant agonies that have gone through the people's lives in this room this year, even now. But you know, the Lord Jesus is a great high priest who understands our weaknesses. And he brings relief to those who draw near to him. So Lord, today, we are crying out to you, our Abba Father. Help us. May our eyes grow wide to the beauty of Christ who in his agony relieved the agony of all who would call upon his name. So Lord, for any of my unbelieving friends, may today be the day of salvation. that They cry out to you, have mercy on me. For those of us discouraged believers, we pray that your spirit would open our eyes and remember the good work of the Lord Jesus to relieve us. From agony, and that one day we will be in the new heavens and new earth where there will be not even a hint of agony. So we look forward to that day. Help us to persevere all the way to the end. Amen. I don't have to tell you the obvious reality that this life includes agony. Because of Genesis 3, there is significant agony. As I was writing this sermon this week, I got a text from a friend who's a pastor in Connecticut to find out that his 28-year-old brother died of overdose. The day hadn't ended when Pastor Billy Jones from the Baptist Fellowship called to tell me that his brother died in a murder-suicide. There is significant agony in our world. But Christ came, in part, to relieve us from this agony. There will still be agony on this earth. But those who trust in the Lord Jesus and persevere till the end, we will one day be in the new heavens and new earth, where there is not a hint of agony, as we are in the perfect presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, look forward to that day. Look to Christ and wrestle with the reality of agony. Listen to a few words of Christ that you're very familiar, especially because you just finished the book of John. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And Thomas asked, where are you going? He goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord Jesus has prepared a place for those who look to Him. You know, I think, of, I must be honest, the things that relieve my agony is knowing I still have money in my bank account, Know my kids are behaving, sort of, that I haven't got any nasty emails in a while, and I'd like a different government. But those are all temporal. And we are all tempted to give our hearts to very, very temporary reliefs. But it is Christ alone that relieves the agony. Agony is relieved in Christ and applied by faith, not by circumstances. Some of you have had the worst year of your life. And next year may be the best year of your life. Christ is still the answer. He's still the answer. He's still the one. And the birth story teaches us this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Friends, the relief we need is from the bondage of sin and the corrupt world we live in. We don't even have to argue that corruption and sin is on full display in our culture. There's not even shame anymore. Like, there was a time where it was a little shameful. Not anymore. And what we need is relief. And the Lord Jesus came to set the captives free. To save His people from their sins. Salvation for God's people came through Jesus Christ's agony. Well, how did He save His people from their sins? On an agonizing cross. His agony makes our relief from agony possible. It's almost scandalous. I was listening to, uh, I need to pass this along to Aaron, a friend of ours, Neil Patel, he was in London, England this year visiting his children. And he was witnessing to a Muslim, and the Muslim could not wrap his mind around Christ taking on the weight of sin for us. And Neil just did this beautiful job of explaining the Gospel to him. Friends, no agony, no relief for us. If Christ had not agonized on the cross, we would not have relief. It's helpful for us to take a big picture view. Once upon a time, or more biblically, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He created everything beautiful. When He created you and I, He said, it's very good. He was especially proud of creating man and woman in His image. God's creation was better than we can imagine. Imagine just one element of Genesis 1 and 2, all your relationships being perfect. That's where most of our agony comes from, broken relationships. With God, with people we love. Everything was perfect in the beginning. No pain, no struggle. Today, we look forward to when all that will be restored even better in the new heavens and new earth. Because one significant difference is we can't sin in the new heavens and new earth. Can you imagine, I don't know if we'll sleep in heaven, but waking up And not worrying at all about how sin will affect you and how your sin will affect other people's. That's going to be awesome. Too much of my day is thinking about how sin has affected my life, my family's life, the church's life, our culture. But it won't be this way in heaven. There is agony today. I don't think we often realize the beauty of the new heavens and new earth, or Genesis 1 and 2, but nor do I think we really wrestle enough with how the fall in Genesis 3 has affected us. Everything! Romans 8 says it's even affect creation. Everything is affected by the agony that sin has brought. Listen to these less-than-flattering words in Genesis 6. We're just a few chapters into the Bible. After the fall, the Lord says this, He saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yikes! We're not even into the second book of the Bible yet! We don't like to talk about sin, and I think, I I, I would argue that one of the reasons we, as American Christians, don't appreciate the Lord Jesus enough, is because we don't feel the weight of sin. Every difficult situation you had this week was, at some level, a result of sin. Wayne Grudem says, the history of the human race as presented in Scripture is primarily a history of man in a state of rebellion against God and of God's plan of redemption to bring man back to himself. Apostle Paul said, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. You know what's good? The Lord Jesus. So we hold fast to Him. The Bible is a story of redemption, including the incarnation which we celebrate at Christmas. God becoming a man to redeem His people from the slave market of sin. This redemption is hinted at in Genesis 3. Genesis 3.15 reads, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the gospel is hinted at right after the fall. God's so good that he reveals there's hope to come, even in the very chapter where Adam and Eve rebelled against him. Derek Thomas says this uh, in reference to uh, Genesis 3:15 a principle that runs throughout the Old Testament a redeemer who would be a descendant a seed of Adam and Eve God is doing something in the history of Israel that has its genesis in a promise given in Eden when Mary discovers that she is expecting a baby Gabriel announces to her concerning her future son he will be great Luke one thirty two. It's not the woman who conquers, but her seed. God will redeem His people from their sin. From the earliest times, Genesis 3.15 has become the Proto-Evangelum, because it is the first note of God's redemptive intention following the Fall in the Garden of Eden. The heel of the Savior will be bruised. Clearly, this is a metaphor that in the context is to be contrasted with the blow the serpent receives, the crushing of his head. But it is immediately apparent what this involves. The shedding of substitutionary blood. Blood needs to be shed for sin to be forgiven. Hebrews 9.22 Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We need to understand that all agony is because of sin, and finds its root in human history in Genesis 3. And all relief comes from the Lord. I I think it'd be really helpful if all of us just were honest about where we look for relief, other than the Lord Jesus. I, like most honest men, will admit I have a very low threshold of pain. My wife is way tougher than me. For you men that think you're tougher than your wives, you're probably deceiving yourselves. First hint of a headache, I run to the medicine cabinet to get a couple of acetaminophen. It's like, I don't like any level of pain. Now, I think it's fine to take any acetaminophen, but it often reminds me of how quickly, when trials come my life, the first place I go to is not the Lord Jesus. I often look for other people to affirm me, especially if it's wrong thinking. I try to justify myself or blame shift like Adam and Eve did. Friends, we need to run to the Lord Jesus for the relief of our agony. Because in the end, for those who persevere, we will experience the greatest, most imaginable relationships in place in heaven agony is a reality run to Christ again the definition from Webster intense pain of mind or body the struggle that precedes death a violent struggle if God had not sent Jesus born of a virgin to dwell among us he would have not experienced the agony on the cross and we would not have the relief that we need I want to be really gentle, and I want to speak to my unbelieving friends, but I want you to hear me. The agony you will face if you reject Christ on this earth is unbearable. If you are not in Christ, if you are rejecting the Lord Jesus, the agony you have today is very light. I heard a preacher say once that one of the worst things about hell is its solitary confinement for eternity. Uh, I used to be a fan of the Far Side comics. Yeah, I, I still kind of like them, but I remember a very sad comic and it was a picture of all these people in hell drinking cold coffee and they said they've thought of everything. Friends don't make light of what's to come for those who reject Christ. Please do not be among those, folks. If you're in Christ, our suffering, our agony is real, but it's temporary. Remember, the Lord Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. Christ relieves undeserving men and women like you and me from our agony. I don't think I have to convince any of us that we have sinned against the Holy God and fallen short of His glory. And I don't think I have to convince any of us that we know we deserve God's justice. I think for all of us that take about a five-second view of our life, we know that's true. I think what I do have to convince you, and I have to convince my own on Christ, is Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer. He's the relief for my agony, not my circumstances changing. I still pray that my circumstances will change, and I don't think that's wrong, but they may not. We are all tempted to run to something for relief other than Jesus and His provision. Who or what are you running to? Just be honest. You don't have to tell me. This will dog you the rest of your life if you don't deal with it. God's been taking me through this season, and it's not pleasant. I often find my hope in temporary relationships. You know, I've never met a person that didn't let me down. You ever met that person? Never. Never. I've never met a person that hasn't let me down. And every person I've met, I've let down. If you know me, I've let you down. If your hope is in a relationship other than Christ, you are in trouble. Run to Christ. Be honest. Who or what are you running to, to receive comfort and relief from agony? I will tell you that I find that a lot of people, when they're agonizing, they run away from the people who can help them. Don't do that. I find that the conversation going on in my head, unchecked, is not a very good one. And I think that's true for you too. Remember when Adam and Eve brought agony on themselves? What did they do? They ran from God. And that's what you and I do. We not only run from the Lord, we run from each other. Now, will your brothers and sisters with good intentions say dumb things in your agony? Yes. Job's friends. But they did pretty good week one. They just shut their mouths and let him cry. I know Aaron's heart, I know my heart, is to be a community of faith, a local church that bears burdens, those like agony. And we cannot help you, and the Lord's designed to help you is God's people. Period. Period. And what I've found time and time again, people who suffer in the body of Christ, their temptation is to run away from the very people God has put in their life to help them. And in 20 years of ministry, I've never seen that turn out good for anybody. There's no exceptions. Often, it's bitter, resentful anger. Number one, we run to Christ to relieve us from agony. But number two, we run to His bride. Imperfect fellow strugglers like us. Every week, this happens in my life. You know the problem with being around people for a long time—they know you, even your demeanor on the phone. Had a friend, Christian friend, a couple weeks ago. I he heard me on the phone. You could just tell I was off. And within 24 hours, he met with me, and I let it all out. My heart was exposed. But you know what? Now he does. He calls and prays for me and checks on me. Friends, if you are isolating yourself from the agony you find yourself in, you won't get better. You won't. Now, I'm not advocating there isn't maybe a day you take and plan a personal retreat or spend time alone with the Lord. But you are facing agony, you will face agony, and you've come out of agony. Run to God's people, and you know what? Give each other a little slack. We'll say stupid things. Here's here's a big stupid thing we say someone's suffering, you say, I know what you're going through. Do you really? I doubt it. I've met people who have lost children. I have no idea what that's like. So, let's be careful about what we say, but let's also give each other grace, because we say dumb things. I know good intentioned people that say dumb things all the time. Namely, me. That that wasn't even in my notes. We're all tempted to run to something for relief, other than the Lord Jesus and His provision, and one of His provisions is the Church. It's you guys, the ministry you have to each other. Ever since Genesis three, there's been agony due to sin, and this agony extends to every part of life in society. You know, we we say this. I say it. I don't know what's gone wrong with the world. I do, and you do too. Genesis three. It's just playing itself out. That's what's wrong with the world. We also know what the solution is. And I'm not advocating that we shouldn't vote, but we are fools to think a new administration is going to fix our problems. Christ is the one we need. Again, the definition of agony, the struggle that precedes death. Run to Christ. Run to Christ. My favorite... Christmas verse is the Christmas story according to Paul, as Dave read for us in Galatians 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent His Holy Spirit to us, to His, I'm sorry, God sent the Holy Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. One of the greatest things you can do in agony is cry like a baby to your Heavenly Father who understands and loves you. Stop being stoic. I know most of you are New Englanders. Get over yourself. You read the Psalms. The the Psalms weren't written by a New Englander. Not a lot of pull yourself up by the bootstraps there. Pleading before the Lord. The greatest gifts that God gives us as we're agonizing. Number one is the Lord Jesus. But as if we're in Christ, we can cry out to our Father in Heaven who understands and never, ever turns us away. Isn't it isn't it odd that we 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 cognitively know God is Father, but when agony comes, He's like the third or fourth phone call we make. Isn't that weird? I have a theory. I'm happy to share with you. Aaron doesn't have to ever invite me back again. Mm-hmm. We have so many temporary resources at our disposal the Lord's sometimes the last one we run to. Most of us aren't on the verge of being homeless. Most of us really still have our own resources within ourselves that we can lean on. And our Father in Heaven loves to hear from His children. I love in Romans 8, where it gives us this really instructive help on prayer, where He says... The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I don't believe that speaking in tongues. I believe that's when you come weeping before God and words are not even coming out of your mouth. But God knows the intentions of your heart and will minister to you as His child. Agony will draw us near to the Lord or we'll run away. We run away because we're... we're, God, I don't deserve this. let me tell you about deserving. The Lord Jesus didn't deserve the agony He faced for us. The only sinless man. The only person that didn't deserve what came to Him was the Lord Jesus. Even Joseph and Daniel were sinners. He experienced agony so that you and I can be relieved of agony. Look to Christ. Pray. Draw near to our Father in Heaven. Our Abba Father, cry out to Him! He can handle it! For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I had an intriguing conversation with my unbelieving neighbor at the post office the other day we're talking about patience and he says patience is not really patience and still it's been tested and I'm like yikes he's right it's very biblical our relief from agony and the con- consequences of sin the answer is in Christ we know that Romans 8 says even creation looks for relief there is relief due to the cross of Christ. Yes, there's still agony today. Romans 8.18, my favorite verse on suffering. For I consider that the sufferings... Notice Paul doesn't say suffering. You know, I have this stupid notion that when I go through a trial, I'm like, good! I got that over, now I'm free and clear till I get to heaven. Like, it's like, if I can just get over this, everything will be good. Paul says sufferings, plural. And He says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Friends, we don't think enough about heaven. We don't think enough about heaven. The sufferings that we experience are real. They're painful. But they pale in comparison. To what's to come for those who hope in Christ and wait for him with patience. I think most of you are wise enough to know that things not going to get a whole lot better for the church in our culture. You might be holding on to some glory days and you may be right and I may be wrong but if we don't buckle down now and find our hope in the right place we're going to get destroyed when it really gets hard. I mean, let's just face it,
0: we're
1: we're on borrowed time of even meeting corporately like this. I mean, our brothers and sisters in persecuted land, they understand this. They have for years. Jesus Christ's agony makes our relief possible. Please hear that. Jesus' excruciating agony is incomparable. No one suffered like Him. Jesus suffered every form of agony, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, all to please the Father and save his people from their sins. I have other scriptures to share. Think of the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Jesus knew it wasn't possible. He knew this is what he was called to do. But the thought of He, Jesus, who knew no sin, becoming sin for us was the greatest agony of all. The physical pain was bad, but nothing like the Holy Son of God, for a moment, having the Father turn His face away from Him. Being on that cross all by Himself. Because He who knew no sin became sin for us. I want to encourage you this, this day, this Christmas season, enjoy the beauty. Enjoy the family. Enjoy the cookies. But I want to ask you to seriously consider meditating on the reality of agony and being honest with yourself before the Lord and rooting out those things you run to other than Christ. My, my thing I run to is the people I love and care for doing well, what, however I define that. And so I get unearthed when the people I know and care about are not doing well, spiritually otherwise. And I lose sight of Christ. If you, if we are to fully appreciate the Christmas story, we must be honest about our agony, that is a result of sin. And we must also continually renew our minds with the beautiful, sufficient relief that comes in and through Jesus Christ. Today, and finally and completely in eternity. Cry out to our Father in Heaven. He loves you. He cares for you. And He can handle it. I've never seen a place in Scripture, and I've never experienced in my life when I've humbly cried out to the Lord. He says, I'm busy, not now. Good parents don't do that. Father, we need help, and you have provided it in Christ. So may we fix our hearts and minds and eyes on the Lord Jesus, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim and light. Of his glory God I thank you for this church I thank you for Aaron and the leadership that relentlessly are pointing people to the Lord Jesus but we know that you will accomplish your good pleasure here and through the globe God we thank you that the Lord Jesus suffered and died agonized so that we can be relieved of agony And Lord, we pray, as your people have for centuries, come, Lord Jesus, come. We look forward to your second Advent. We look forward to the new heavens and earth, but there are many we know and love and care for that are not ready. So God, have mercy on them. Bring many to yourself. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.